Good morning. My name is Steve Van Cura, and uh, we're going to continue this uh, of course. I represent the uh, Bread of Life Bible study. This topic today is called the tongue, your rudder in life. Uh, the rudder is what turns a ship. And I'm talking about chapter three of James. So we'll get into some details here. But the tongue, your rudder in life. So I'm going to begin with a prayer as we always do. Let's bow our hearts and our heads. Uh, Father God, I just thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit called the Spirit of Truth. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God through the Holy Spirit. And you had a certain meaning for it when you gave the word, Lord. Uh, our natural uh, minds, human minds, cannot understand the word other than superficially. But only through the Holy Spirit can we really see in depth the true meaning, Father, imparted to our hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, I just ask you to open up um, our spiritual ears and eyes and uh, for our minds to perceive and understand what you want to teach us this day. Your, the purpose of your word is always to change us into your likeness. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, when I was a kid, you might have heard the same thing, but uh, my mother would always or constantly say, um, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Uh, because sometimes somebody would call me a name or whatever else like that, say something, uh, and uh, that was just a saying. Now, if you go read the Bible, it turns out that that is anything but true. Turns out that words create all kinds of problems. Uh, the the topic of words and uh, what we say in life uh, is found throughout the Bible. Literally, there are not just dozens but hundreds of scriptures that illustrate the power of words uh, in in our spiritual lives. In our lives, Jesus made a statement one time. He said, "Every idle word that." Thou shalt speak, thou shalt give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words shalt thou be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Now that is such a powerful statement uh, that literally the words, every idle word that we speak, God keeps a record of it. And uh, when judgment day comes, I have to give account of every single word. And it's uh, the words that I speak that determine my final judgment in these ends. You know, the Bible says it is given unto men once to die and then comes the judgment. So, words are in fact extremely important. Okay. Um, there's a book in the Psalm, or a scripture in the Psalms. God is the creator. And we know from Genesis 1 uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void. There was darkness over the face of the deep. And uh, the Spirit of God hovered or brooded over the waters. And the next verse says, And God said, here we go, here's some words, uh, where God said, let there be light. Now in the Hebrew, this is actually an imperative command. It's more like uh, light be. It was just command uh, light to be formed in, uh, in the darkness. And so... Uh, another scripture says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now there's a key understanding here. The words of God, God is a God of faith. 
everything, and I mean everything God does is through the spoken word. He speaks and it comes to pass, okay? And, and uh, you and I are made in God's image, and it turns out that words are just important for us, just as important. And, uh, you know, literally, like this topic says, the, the, your tongue and the words you speak become the rudder that uh, guides you through life, um, either making you shipwreck or guide safely along a path of righteousness uh, or whatever. But the tongue is a key part of that. So, but it says, the word, by the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Now, I want to emphasize breath. The Hebrew word for breath is ruach, and, and it, it can mean breath, spirit, wind, air. And the same thing is true for the Greek word for the same word, spirit, breath, air, wind. But the Greek word is pneuma, pneuma. Okay, uh, and... Um, you know, when God gave man life, remember, he formed man out of the dust of the earth, blew into him the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the, that's the impartation of the spirit in us. You are a spirit being, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Now, just as when you, or I'm sorry, when God speaks the word, it, it, um, the breath, the spirit, anoints the word that he speaks, okay? Now, this is a concept I haven't always understood, but the more I read the scriptures, I find out that, uh, that that's a very, very key concept. There's a scripture that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Now, one time Jesus was uh, talking to the Pharisees. Remember, there was always a conflict between the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and Jesus, because uh, Jesus did not follow their traditions or the way they thought or taught. And uh, uh, so they often had some kind of conflict. Now, one of the things, Jesus, when he was casting out demons, of course, he would just command them. Remember, words? He would just speak and command those demons to go out of people. And uh, remember, those words are anointed by the breath of his mouth, which is the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus said, the words that I speak are not my words, but I only say what I hear the Father saying. It was the Spirit of God in him at, that anointed those words, uh, just like in the original creation, and, and imparts power. So those words uh, do what, what God, or what Jesus sent him out to do. But the Pharisees said, this man casts out demons by Elzebub, the chief of demons. And of course, that wasn't true, but Beelzebub, that's basically the devil. Uh, and uh, so they were saying that, well, yeah, this guy's casting out demons, but he's doing it by the devil. And so uh, Jesus said, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say any good? Because out of the abundance of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right. Now, again, this is the, a very, very important and key concept. There's a connection, spiritual connection between your heart, all right? And I'm not talking about the part down in there that just pumps blood, okay? I'll explain it in a minute. Uh, and the words that you speak, okay? Uh, you can just hang around somebody for a while and listen to the words that they speak, uh, and uh, you will know a whole lot about what they're like inside, in their heart, whether they're good or evil or, 
whatever, you know, because they can only speak out of the overflow of their heart. Now, the heart basically is a combination of your spirit man and your soul or your mind and your will and that kind of thing, see. And, and in Scripture, that's what your heart is, okay? So uh, if you have an evil heart, guess what? You are going to say evil things, you know? And if you're a good heart, you have a good heart, then uh, you're going to speak good things, all right? So um, there's a Scripture in Proverbs that says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Because words always, they... Uh, cause things. They, they, they can produce either good or evil. Okay. Now, there's a, in Romans chapter 3, it says there is no one righteous. Not, nobody, no person on earth is righteous and seek after God. And, and here's what Paul said there. It says their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they practice deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. An asp is a poisonous snake. And with their tongues, uh, I'm sorry, with uh, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. So Paul is saying there that uh, an unrighteous person or an evil person, basically every human being, uh, you know, that we're descended from Adam and we have this sin nature. So what Paul is saying there, the way that sin nature manifests is the words that come popping out of your mouth. And, and it's like a snake bite. You ever hear somebody that uh, speaks with a forked tongue? Uh, well, that's, you know, a colloquial way of saying they're saying something bad, something evil. All right. Now, in James chapter 3, spend some time. Go, go read the book of James, especially chapter 3. And that has a lot to say. Uh, it says, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. And then um, James compares uh, this man, this person, um, the perfect man, I guess, well, he's a man in general, we'll put it that way, uh, to a horse. And uh, the way you steer a horse or make it go this way or that way is with a small little thing in his mouth called a bit. Now, where, where is the bit? In his mouth. All right, and so using that bit, you can make the horse go this way or that way. Uh, but uh, uh, the same way a ship, okay, is a sometimes big ships, okay, uh, driven by strong winds, but yet there's a small rudder at the back that determines wherever that thing is going to go. Uh, the pilot just decides if you want to go this way or that way, you just turn the rudder and that's where the ship goes. Now, then Paul or James says, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a, by a small spark. And it says the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Notice this, the tongue corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Boy, that is such a powerful statement. Now, so in other words, the words that come out of a person's mouth um, are determined by what's in your heart. And you and I both know sometimes the devil can give you thoughts or uh, something in your mind uh, that, uh, or out of your heart. Remember, your heart includes your mind and your soul. And then when you vocalize it, you, you spit it out, 
Don't you understand that sometimes that can set a fire, set your life on fire, let somebody else's life on fire, uh, and cause all kinds of problems, all right? So uh, Paul was, or James says, no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. We need the Father, the Holy Spirit in us so that we can control our mouths. If I can control what I say, then God can work in and through me. Now I'm going to back up. Remember what it says? If anyone is never at fault in what he says, then he is a perfect man and able to keep his whole body in check. So if I control what I say, uh, uh, then basically I, I I have control over my life. But if I can't control what I say, then I can create a mess in my life or in my family, at my job. I mean, uh, but the tongue is very important. Now, uh, James says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brethren, this should not be the case. Now, there's two kinds of people in the world. Those that say, I can, and those that say, I can't, I can't. But they're always both right. Because literally, what you say out of your mouth determines, that's that rudder again. Uh, I heard a saying one time, it says, watch out what you think because it determines what you say. Watch out what you say because it determines what you do. And watch out what you do because it determines your character. Watch out for your character because that will determine your destiny. So this, the thoughts, what's in your heart, when it comes out of your mouth, literally, it, it will rule you in your life. Okay, so if we can learn to control our mouths, David one time said, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. All right. Now, uh, there's a proverb 13 says, he who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. All right. So, um, you know, there's many similar scriptures uh, that, that talk about the tongue and either the good or bad consequences of the words that we say. All right, now, um, there, there is a principle. I'm just going to say words are seeds. Seeds, okay? We all understand what a seed is when it grows a plant or something like that. But basically, um, uh, a word is like a seed in the sense that it will always reproduce after itself, all right? Uh, and there's this principle as long that in Genesis 8, chapter 8 says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest will never cease, all right? So we reap what we sow. You might have heard that saying, uh, you know, if I sow um, apple seeds, then guess what comes up? Apples. You know, if I sow thorns, uh, guess what comes up? Thorns. Uh, I always reap what I sow. So if I, uh, you know, speak love or encouragement to somebody, guess what? Then I reap the same thing. All right. Uh, it says if I show mercy, then guess what? I get mercy from God because whatever I sow to others or do to others, God is going to turn it back and give it to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. All right. So uh, again, this is a very, very important principle. So you, we have to be very careful what we say. Okay. And uh, uh, not just speaking, but also what we do. 
all right, because uh, whatever I do to others, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Uh, Jesus one time said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. You know, all of these are variants of that principle that we reap what we sow. Okay, now, uh, how do you get married? You ever think about that? Well, you know, two husband and wife get together, or a man and a woman, and they love one another. They decide, hey, we want to make this a permanent relationship here. You know, so, um, the, you know, the scripture teaches about marriage, uh, that a man and woman become one, united in the Lord. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes describes how God is the third strand in a sense that uh, connects a man and a woman together in the covenant of marriage. Uh, God is the one that um, established this covenant of marriage. Uh, if we have a marriage that's not based on uh, this relationship with God, then uh, our marriage, we may have a lot of trouble with it, okay? But um, the way you get married is a pastor, you know, a representative of God comes and says, do you take, you know, to the man, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? And uh, do you take this man to be your lawful wedded husband? And what do the two do? They say, I do. All right. And uh, once they both say, I do, they agree to it. And the pastor says, uh, I now declare you to be man and wife. You may kiss the bride. And uh, so you get, that's the way you get married. You just confess it. You confess it. Now, guess how you get saved? Guess how you enter the kingdom of God? Same way. All right. Um, when we're not born again, we're, we're um, sinners uh, thrashing around in life, trying to walk straight and, uh, you know, overcome all of our sinful habits and sinful natures. Uh, God, by the Holy Spirit, brings us to a place of, of repentance and we make a decision. Maybe we hear the gospel and decide, I, I'm tired of living the life that I live. Uh, it's, you know, sin, sin has just crushing me. You know, so we make a decision to, to ask God for forgiveness and, and to enter the kingdom of God. And the way we do it is by confessing Jesus as my Lord. Now, basically... Just like in when you're getting ready to get married, before you say, I do, that woman is not your wife. But the moment you say, I do, she becomes your wife. The same thing is true in this relationship with God. Jesus, as when you're a sinner, Jesus is not your Lord. But the way he becomes Lord is you simply say it. Hereby, today, you know, with all my heart and all my soul, I turn away from my sins and right now, I confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. And, and uh, then God uh, then all of a sudden does something by His Holy Spirit inside of you. He conceives the, the Spirit of Christ in you and you are born again. The first time, the Bible says we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the living and abiding Word of God. So, um, and that Word, remember, is a seed. And, and in, in the parable of the sower, uh, the disciples one time asked Jesus, well, what does this parable mean? Remember, that's when the, the sower went out and sowed seeds in different areas. and Some fell on the road, some fell on the side of the road, some fell in the bar ditch, some fell on the good ground. But, um, you know, depending upon the kind of soil or wherever it fell, it would produce or not produce. Okay. But anyway, the disciples asked, what does this parable mean? 
And uh, Jesus said, the sower, the guy that's throwing the seeds out, is the son of man. The seed is the word of God, and the soil are the hearts of men. So remember, words are seeds. Now, let's think about this a second. Satan went into the Garden of Eden with nothing more than words and caused the fall of all mankind. Satan did not walk in there with a shotgun and force somebody to eat of that tree of death, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. No, he just said words, said words, and deceived Eve into thinking, this is something good, I need to do this. Uh, and so she disobeyed God, and she ate of that cursed tree, this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And Jesus said, the day that you eat thereof, you will die. And, and we're talking about a spiritual death initially. So sure enough, she, gave, she ate it. She gave some to her husband. And uh, suddenly they felt naked and afraid. They're running and hiding from God because now they were corrupted. They became sinners. Okay. Now, there's a lot more to tell about that. But the point being that when you eat the fruit, guess what's in the fruit? Seeds. Seeds, okay? So uh, basically that seed, those seeds, and remember every seed bears after its kind. Now this is a tree, this is a cursed tree, okay? It brings a curse. So guess what? When Adam and Eve partook of that tree, they became cursed with this thing called sin, all right? And uh, whereas initially they were made in God's likeness, okay? Now, when they beget sons and daughters, they're after their likeness. So every single human being uh, that's ever been born uh, is a sinner. They have a corrupt heart, and therefore, guess what comes out of their mouth? Words. And, and since uh, every seed bears after its kind, uh, then the book of James becomes true. Okay, And, and that just like um, Satan came into the Garden of Eden with nothing more than words and caused the fall of all mankind, guess what? He can come in your mind, bring thoughts, deception, and belief, and bring you to a place where you speak it, say it. And guess what that becomes? A curse. Okay, you can curse your family. You can say to your unruly children or something like that, you can say, you're never going to amount to anything. You know, or you speak nasty things to your family or to others at work or whatever else like that. But um, I, I want to say that remember how when God created the heavens and the earth and, and the uh, Bible says that uh, they were anointed with the breath of his mouth, okay? Now, and that's the Holy Spirit, okay? The, the, the anointing on a word is what gives it power, okay? Now, this is... You know, we'll cover some more of that in another lesson. But basically, whenever, if, if I speak a word from God, then the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, will bring that word to pass. But if I speak a word that's from the devil, then basically I open the door, you know, for the devil, a demon spirit, an evil spirit, to anoint that word and bring to pass the devil's plan or will and produce evil, a fire in my life. You know, remember, remember what it said? The, just like a whole forest could be set on fire by a small spark, so the whole course of a person's life could be set on fire by the tongue, and the tongue itself is set on fire by 
hell. All right, now that, these are all pretty heavy things, man. This, this is pretty heavy. Uh, and so words are not just meaningless. And my mom was wrong when she said, you know, uh, sticks and stones may break your bones, but no, words will never hear, hurt you. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that there, the, the words can either bring great blessing or it could bring cursing. All right. So we talked about how you get married, talked about how you enter the kingdom of God, and it's through words. You just confess it and you believe it. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever I say with my mouth and believe in my heart is going to come to pass in my life. All right. One time Jesus uh, was walking down the road and, and he went to a fig tree and uh, looking for some figs. And uh, there were no figs on the tree. So he said to the fig tree, he said, may you never bear fruit again. All right. So he, he was talking to a tree. And now I'm going to tell you something. Jesus talk to things all the time, all right? So he talks to this tree and he basically cursed it. And then a couple days later, the disciples come back by that same road and they look and oh, there's that, there's that uh, fig tree. And guess what? It's all wilted, dried up. Uh, it's obviously dead. And the disciples say, look, Lord, look, that this, this tree that you cursed, now it's dead, you know? Now Jesus said something. He said, have faith in God. Now, actually, over in the margin, it, 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 the word actually says, have the God kind of faith. Now, what's the God kind of faith? To talk to things, to speak of things that appear not as though they already are. And then he said, whoever, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, and he will have whatever he says. All right, so here's what the deal is. What you believe in your heart and say with your mouth is going to come to pass. If the words you speak and the spirit that anoints them is of the devil, then you're going to bring curses and problems. But if I speak God's word anointed by his spirit, then guess what? God can work through me and bring blessing. All right, now think about these things. That's why Jesus said it is so important to study the word of God. Um, uh, the Bible says uh, that we should uh, meditate on the word day and night. That, uh, and so uh, the reason is, is that that word is a seed, remember? And we want to plant it down in our hearts. And while it's down there, then when I open my mouth, guess what's going to come out? The word of God. The word of God. And then the, the Holy Spirit's going to anoint that word because that's where the word originally came from. You know, and then out of my mouth, I can bring blessing uh, to others, uh, build people up. Uh, Paul said, let your words be seasoned with grace. Uh, that We should all covet to prophecy. And prophecy uh, basically is called, is, he said, edification, exhortation, and comfort. That means to build up, not tear down, uh, exhortation to encourage, and comfort. Kind of self-explanatory. So words are very, very powerful. So uh, pray about these things. Uh, ask God to help you control your mouth. Remember, no man can control the tongue. So let's bow our hearts. Father, I ask you to bless every person listening to this, uh, this program, Lord. Uh, the words that I'm speaking, Lord, they're anointed by the Holy Ghost, Lord. Just So just plant them in the hearts of these people that hear, Father, to bless their lives. Let the words be seized with grace to build up and not tear down in Jesus' name. 
Amen.